0: idea for all this really came from a dream. Yes, it did. Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is Dan Lopez. Dan is a 30-year spiritual seeker, practitioner, and experiencer. He's also also a 30-year Edgar Casey reading student and a former member of the ARE. For the last five years, he's been the host and producer of Spiritual Warrior Today podcast, currently cardiomyopathy and congestive heart failure survivor. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's
1: a real treat, Dan. I'm so glad you're finally here. It's been a long time coming. Oh,
2: I couldn't wait. You have no idea how often you guys would be talking on the show. And I'm like, oh, my God, if I had
1: (laughs) more
0: than a fly on the wall, I'd have things to say. That's exactly why we started a podcast.
1: (laughs) And it's also you definitely have to be on the obelisk as well so we can get into other things. All the woo. (laughs) Not that Nuxman tastes not woo, but you know, the obelisk goes deep absolutely absolutely i it's funny people i always have to remind people you have a history out there of doing all kinds of amazing stuff and uh your show and all this so it's out there it's just it's interesting how we don't find each other sometimes and yet we do i mean i don't know like i just encountered someone today that's been out for years and I'm like how did i not know this person existed so but the work you've done has been really fantastic. And uh y- you have been a trailblazer in your own right. So I just want to acknowledge that. Oh uh, you're too <laughs> <you're>, kind. <laughs> I'm softening you, I'm softening you up for the kill. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. All right. So let's let's get into it and um hello jerry hello everyone hello listening. nish
0: gotta get in to get out baby
1: <laughs> that's right that is so right um all right mr lopez yeah. and my friend
0: Senor lopez
1: let's go back in time let's take it all the way back to your first memories in this life and what do we find there
2: What do you find? You find a <clears throat> a typical child being raised in a fairly dysfunctional home, predominantly Spanish. So it's very strict. Ray, and parents who were raised by crazy people, who were also raised by psychopaths and uh, and <clears throat> dysfunctionalities long history of alcoholism abuse uh psychosis and uh and also a mixture of weird woo like stuff like stories of my grandfather his father my grandfather's father used to be a ladies man while he was married so my grandfather, he got into uh, tending a farm, and he would sell whatever he grew up at the local at the local shop, right? So one time his father decided that he was going to wipe out my grandfather's crop, take it up to the freaking locals, sell it, take the money back, and go meet his Concubine. My grandfather finds out, decides to go hunt down his father, and sets fire to the little shack that they were in with them in it. Oh. So, (laughs) (laughs) fast forward that a couple of maybe about 40 years, and he's now a spiritual leader in the Bronx. Completely turned himself over. He was a part of the, uh, the police academy over there. And, uh, proceeds to tell my father that if he wants to get into what he's doing, he has to be really, really beyond good. Because what he was doing was a combination of spiritualist and Santeria. Mm. So he would basically go and take care of, you know, people who weren't feeling well who were lovelorn. Uh anybody who had spiritual problems or anything like that, they they'd come and they'd request him. He wound up having a competitor in the area. So Legend has it that the competitor decided that he was going to send some demons after my grandfather. So they go to send the demons after my grandfather, and my grandfather's just doing what he's doing, and he always has protection going on, and he basically mirrored back whatever came to him. The competitor wound up becoming possessed. Oh, wow. The competitor's wife got a hold of my grandfather, tells him, better you have to come. You have to come now. My husband is stock naked on top of the refrigerator, spitting and cussing and fur and fuming and I can't get him down. We don't know what to do. Brett decides to go over there. And he does what he needs to do. He tells everybody he's gotta leave. You, know, you can't stay here, but it's not safe. Because if it leaves, it's gonna go to the next person, right? So they do, and he goes and he does what he has to do and within about I guess, half an hour, so, he has him back. And the guy's weeping and crying and apologizing and, and the whole nine yards and everything like that, and all up and down, that he won't ever do anything like that again, he learned the West, so to speak. So I don't know if it skips a generation, but that kind of stuff, when I was growing up, was told that that's what it does. If the spiritualistic lifestyle winds up in your family, like when you shine or whatever, it tends to skip a generation. It's not necessarily so much so nowadays what it was when I was growing up. So I had always been the kind that when I was growing up, we had this huge monster of an illustrated book of the Bible for children right and it was just nothing but story after story after story after story whenever there was some MGM three hour video on Moses or you know the robe or whatever I was always like watching it right because it was just cool stuff I dug it when I went to um, go for communion and stuff like that we had a situation where it was like it was nothing like any other perch time that I had ever been in because it was like one of those completely unconditional love situations. Hmm. And everybody had to hug each other, you know, before we proceeded to have the ceremony and stuff like that. But we would go all over, you know, make sure that we hugged each other and, you know, did the thing. And I was like, that, that was awesome. That was flipping awesome. I never experienced anything like that again in church ever again. Even when, you know, at, the, at there's a certain time when you're, after you're getting the host or whatever, that they say, you know, God bless you and also with you and blah, 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 and, you know, you, you shake your hands or whatever. It was never anything as engaging or immersive as when I went to that, uh, that ceremony. Which I thought was pretty cool. As time went on, though, my father got really handsy because he started getting into alcoholism, just like his predecessors. And um, so it became very um, dangerous to be in law. You, you couldn't look at him, you know, if you looked at him funny, you caught it. And usually my face is what caught it. Yeah. So when you say, you know, I look a certain way or whatever, I get, I have a hard time looking at my own face because all I can remember is how, how much it got attention from the freaking in my father's hands. Yeah. So <clears throat> I wasn't, I was never particularly That's not to say I didn't take what I had for advantage of, which is the confession as to how I was in the past. But the thing is, is that, you know, it took a while for all of that to, to culminate into situations where, like, weird things would happen. Like, there was one time my father was away, and uh, me and my mom were watching TV. So you know how when it's, like, really, really dark in the old days, all you had was black and white. Te- I don't know if you But but in the black and white television days, Jerry and I, don't, maybe. But uh, <laughs> all you had was the blue glow from the television, and everything else seemed to be black and white, you know, because the light was only coming from the television, but I had to go to the bathroom. So I had to get up and go to the bathroom, and just as I was getting up to go to the bathroom, the opener started, the chiller theater. So you have the intro to the chiller theater going on. I'm heading into the bathroom, which is a narrow hallway, and the bathroom has a window in the shower that faces the fire escape. Now, when you walk in there, half the window is above the curtain rod, and the rest of it you really can't see. I get in there. There's a silhouette in the damn window. Oh. Now, we have glazed-over windows, so all you see is the silhouette because you have the street lights from the behind lighting it up. Right. So that's all I see. I walk in there, and before I get to turn on the light, the damn silhouette says, hello. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, Lord. And I'm like, what? (laughs) So... I skedaddle I ever had. I pretty much don't really remember much much after that. As I get back to my mom, I'm like, you know, there's someone in the bathroom below. She's like, now she's terrified. She's like, what are you talking about? Needless to say, nothing nothing happened after that. It was like she went and it was like there was nothing there. But uh, around the same time, we were in the same house, the same apartment. I'm, I'm asleep. My brother was just born and my parents are in the first hallway as you walk in, in the first bedroom as you walk into the hallway. The bathroom is adjacent to my, my parents. Room. Now, my father had come home and they were, they were crashing out for the evening and my, uh, mother goes and takes a look at the the door to the bedroom, and there's somebody there. You can't make out what she's seeing, except that it looks like a woman. A woman with a faint, like, gray nightgown on, with black hair and pale skin. And she starts smacking my father. Oh, shit. She's like, Albert, Albert, Albert. My mother's like, what? (laughs) And she's like, look. So he looks and he's like, taken back. (laughs) What the hell? So he goes to get up and as he's going to get up, the figure walks across the doorway. Into the into the hallway towards my bedroom. And now he's like, he's now, he's off the bed, launched himself into the doorway. And there was nothing there. Gone. Just nothing. You oh. know so what I'm saying? checks the rooms and everything like that. Nothing. Nothing. And my parent, my father is a paranoid, crazy person. So, they, so he looked all over the place and said that. And he doesn't know didn't know what the hell
1: that was. Was the one that you saw in the bathroom a male or a female? It was male. Okay. So it was, it was
2: different, male. yeah. Yeah. It was male, it was completely male. Little time after that I wound up going over to uh Puerto Rico. My parents sent me there for like three three months, the summer vacation. Right from school, I guess I was around nine. So I go down there and, uh, everything's fine. I'm getting, to, I'm getting used to what's, what's going on and the lay of the land. I don't speak no Spanish, you know, but everybody out there, you know, speaks English. So, and Spanish. So I'm doing the best that I can and, and, you know, enjoying the, You know Puerto Rico. It was just back in the day, it was just gorgeous. We're talking about like 1971. Yeah. Oh, and
1: the beautiful people. The people was fantastic. The hair.
3: (laughs) hair. Don't (laughs) get me started. There's
1: so much beauty there. My my
2: aunt my aunt has a friend Irma, and Irma was very fond of grabbing the top of my head i shaking it violently. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love your hair. I'm like, it's thin.
3: Leave it alone. <laughs> there won't Irma, be please. much left of it.
2: <laughs> so, but Irma, Irma was a trip. Irma was a trip. Anyway, so I'm there for a while. I think it was about a month and a half. My uncle comes up, uh, comes down, because everybody lived in the Bronx at the time. So he comes down to visit for a while, and uh, and I had made friends with a with a with a buddy at the block, and uh, we were coming back from uh, for coming back from the beach. So as we're coming back from the beach, you know, I I tell him, all right, I'll see. You. Have a good one. And well, I'm now like I don't know, half a block away from getting to my house, and as I'm getting close to the house. I'm noticing those. We're on a long stretch of road, straight road on the left side going away from the beach is all, all houses. And the right hand side is all farmland with a big Brahma pole that was, you know, I don't know how the hell they got a Brahma bowl down in, like in Puerto Rico, but they got a Brahma
3: bowl <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> So I was always careful to stay away from that side of the, that side of the road because he always had a tendency of making trouble with the fence. But as I'm walking, there's this red glow about fifty yards into the into the into the field. And I'm trying to focus on it, but for the life of me I, I can't I can't. And it's moving really slowly. And I'm like but my depth perception was—I couldn't picture just exactly how far it was because the red glow—it looked like it could have been a crop duster, but it was way too close, and that glow was way too big. So I'm like, "What the hell is this goddamn thing?" And it's—it's it's literally creeping along. It's not like flying like a like a regular helicopter crop duster. It's just creeping along. So slow that I had time to go and yell over to my uncle and say, you know, come here. <laughs> <laughs> come outside. So he goes to come outside and I'm like, George, what the hell is that? He's like, take a good look at it. He's like, oh, wooful. I'm like, Oh hell! Okay, now mind you, before I had gotten there, my father had brought home two books, and he left them on the coffee table. There were two paperback books. One was written by Van Donnegan, called *Chariot of the Gods*,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and the other one was an old, an old book called. I forget who the name of it was, but it was called We Are Not Alone. So they had interesting pictures in there. So I knew when he said UFO, what he meant. But I could not for the life of me see what that was compared to the pictures that I had seen, right? So, It goes for a little bit further down the field, and then all of a sudden it starts taking off at a 45-degree angle, does a zigzag pattern, and then it was, like, gone Mm. in a heartbeat. By the time that had happened, 75% of the road with the people in their houses were outside watching the same damn thing. So I wasn't, yeah, Yeah. so I wasn't the only one who witnessed this damn thing. Mind you, a week later, guess what movie comes out?
3: Close Encounters.
2: The Exorcist.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) That movie was so scary. Oh, my God. So what does my aunt
2: decide to do? Take me to go see The Exorcist, because
1: <laughs> what else do you do with a nine-year-old? My aunt took me to scary films all the time. What is up with that? <laughs> the, I don't know. I saw so many scary films as a little, little kid.
0: My my, I begged my parents to take me to see Jaws. And, oh. And <laughs> I had to leave like halfway through because it scared the shit out of me. And I still won't go in the ocean.
1: I can't blame you. I'm not Jaws finding. was scary. Yeah. I already had a fear of the ocean and that just made it worse. That was Oh god, That's when that opening scene with the girl in the water. Oh, oh that was great. God. That yeah. was great. I mean it, that was brilliant. terrible,
2: but it was great. That yeah. was no. like one of those we used to cut out of school because it came out that came out when so, I was in junior high school. So 76. we used to cut out seventy six. Mm-hmm. So we used to cut out of school, go down to the RKO theater, and watch the movie all day. <laughs> <laughs> we watched it over and over and over again. I think that and Star Wars, you know, we watched those.
0: Yeah, I saw Star okay. Wars like 20 times the first week.
2: Yeah. It was awesome.
0: It was. Now it's ruined, but we won't talk about that. We won't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: so funny though well what a weird did it ever get reported or was there ever follow-up with it have no idea interesting no i have no idea i just
2: that's thought it interesting. was interesting like what was it 10 years ago that they had that uh that flight of the ufo that was going over the land and then it went into the water or whatever and then yes. into the water and stuff yeah i like that, I was like, that
1: Yeah, that's (laughs) Puerto Rico. (laughs) So you were a kid. Okay, so I got it already. Your father was in the Navy, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. He was on a destroyer. He was on the Shangri-La for a while. And then he was on a flat top uh, for a few years. He used to go. This is the kind of guy who swims in the East River. Okay, so (laughs) he, he has no fear. (laughs) <laughs> he, his father used to take him up to the roof and have him box other kids,
3: oh because
2: my. yeah, because that's the yeah, that's just the way they were. And so, <laughs> but he was where they used to test the nuclear the nuclear uh, detonations in the water, and he would set up all the the Geiger counters and the and the metering devices on the side of the ship and everything like that. To he would put them out and he would pull them back in after the detonations and stuff like that. He says, you know, when they went went off, you could see right through your you could see right through your skin.
1: Wow. Yeah. This is so you have this history then coming down uh the lines though with the magic and the woo in the family. And you know, this is I've gotta tell you, Dan, that was always something I heard too, is that it skips a generation. Right. I'd always heard that. And, uh, you know, my momo was a magical person, but I don't remember her having like the skills that say I have. Mm. But my grandmother did, but she kept it very hush. Yeah. So I and that's also kind of where I heard that it skips generations like the redhead thing. You know, it's just. Right. So, I find that interesting. I like that. And so, you were clearly open, though, to the weird world as a little kid.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Because of those two experiences. Yeah. You know, because I had, like I said, I was already open to like, you know, wild things. I believed what had happened in the Bible and stuff like that. And those were weird ass
1: stories. Oh yeah, it I mean the more I learn about the Bible the weirder it gets. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And yeah. the creepier it gets, my god. Yeah. I mean, how uh, it just it amazes me that this is such a good read people. It's such a good read, and there's there's a lot to learn there. But you know, and you heard me say this, I don't have any. I'm not rebelling against it, so it's mm. just a, a a joyful read for me. Well, not joyful. It's kind of terrifying, but uh. So there's all that. What about what kind of pop culturey stuff were you enjoying at the time? Music when you were little. Music, cartoons, obviously horror. Uh Michael Jackson.
2: Uh my father was very much into music at the time. So music was, was huge in the in his family. So he used to listen to everything from Tony Matola to um the Doo wop uh the Golden oldies, oh, you know, yeah. all the all the fifties stuff. <clears throat> and uh and Motown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So that was, that was huge. That was huge back then. And, uh, I remember that being the biggest, the biggest part of the influence back in the days. And of course, Spanish music. It's, there was a, a community that they got involved in when we lived in Woodside, New York. And a bunch of families used to get together and they used to go up to this place up in Pauling, New York called, um, Green Acres of all places. <laughs> of all names, right?
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: what they would do is it was basically it was um it was kind of like, it was like um an old folks place. But what they would do is they would say that they would care for the place, take care of the, the property, clean up the clean up the cantina or whatever it was called, and the hotel area, hotel like area, hotel like area. And um and then they would have run of whatever they wanted to do. So they would you know, they would go up there and they would spend like two weeks for for this holiday or they would go up there for Easter or whatever. And uh at that pulled me out of the city life. And when mm-hmm. I went up to hang out and be with there, I knew back then that was my natural state of being was being, being in the woods, being in nature. Yeah. And, um, and everything, when I came back to New York, yeah, I was acclimated to it and everything like that. And I kind of went went with the flow and stuff like that. And we did not really guess it, but I preferred being there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like an instant thing for you. It, It is for so many of us. Yeah. So I kind of want to. I'm going to jump around. We're mm-hmm. going to jump around. I want to look at. So you had I, and if you don't want to talk about this, just let me know. But you just had uh, cardio issues with your heart, correct? Yeah. Yes. And did you have any? I guess for better lack of a better way to phrase it, any supernatural experiences around that process? Ma- magical, religious, anything that just is not the norm, you know what I'm saying.
2: Aside from the fact that there was no heart related diseases in my in my nuclear camp. Um
1: And yours was severe, right? You had a severe
2: Yeah, it was heart failure.
1: Yeah. Just like was, Jerry.
2: there it was heart failure. I went yeah. through I went through about uh two and a half years of trying to breathe. Yeah. And I couldn't, you know. They wound up taking about a liter of liquid that was between my rib cage and my lung. So <clears throat> which was that was the immediate godsend because they had did all the surgery, they had to pump it and everything like that and I was still having a problem breathing. And until they did that liquid drain um I was still having a problem.
1: Yeah. After the surgery. Was that is that the dreaded chest tube? Um it it was
2: they kind of they shove a needle into the side of your ribs. Yeah. And then they they drain the fluid from there.
1: Yeah. Oh god, that's always giving me the creeps. Yeah, it it's
2: it's not something you,
0: Easily to be, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not.
0: <laughs> Luckily, I was unconscious for a week, so I had no idea what they did to me.
1: Oh yeah, that, that, that's always just creep me out the most. I call it the chest tube. It just freaks me out.
2: Oh, oh, they had the other things too that they had. They had like three freaking tubes that went into my chest, and they were pumping all kinds of freaking liquid out and whatever. And that was that was the weirdest thing. Uh, because it took them forever to get the lady who was the only lady that was trained to yank these things out. Meanwhile, when she went and did it, she just pulled them out like they were freaking. You know,
3: <laughs> I was like, "What the hell?" Is this?
0: So th- this is funny because the exact same thing happened to me. So I, I had had kidney failure and I had a, a dialysis shunt put in, in my chest. Uh, right. And I. For whatever reason, assumed that was connected to some vein or something so they could, you know, do dialysis on me for a week. And when they came and took it out, they just yanked, they came in my room and just yanked it out. There wasn't a procedure or anything. I'm like, is is that not just attached to something? No. It was crazy. They had a catheter tube. They actually had two of them. I had one on my neck too.
2: Yeah. So that was more procedural. That was like, that was official like there wasn't somebody who just came into your room and removed it they actually put me
0: down i don't remember i don't remember yeah. getting that one taken out yeah, yeah yeah well whatever i was on fentanyl and ketamine or <laughs> they made some cocktail like okay wait do whatever <laughs> you want yes better to be so getting
1: so getting
2: back to your question other than that there was no so like i was saying there was no uh there was no family history of it um i wound up getting arrested For uh, uh, not paying child support, and so I I did like four days in the in the cell, and they got me out within several hours of getting out. I went over to the deli uh, outside of the outside of the gated community that I lived in, and I went to go for a job, and they hired me like right there and then. And so I was I was a a short what did he call him a short chef or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I've manned the grill and stuff like that and prepared all the food and whatever. And, and uh, it just, just keep me behind here and behind the counter and I'm fine. I'll take care of all of this. Just, I don't want to deal with the customers. I don't want to deal with the freaking cash. I just I didn't want nothing to do with that. So let me just stay behind here. So one morning, <clears throat> now this is three years into po- uh, podcasting. Uh, spiritual warrior today of which I had several people and the thing that I did was I wanted the listeners to be part of the show because there were stories out there that were being regurgitated over and over and over again but the weirdest wildest stories that you ever hear were the people who were listening was my, was my thing so I was like, so let's I got I already got, you know, Teal and all of these people from, you know, and uh the guy who does the Woo, the actual Woo show. And uh I was like, alright, I got I got these people on the on here. Let me get let me get the listeners on here. So I had holistic people, I had energetic people, I had all kinds of people who were giving all of this good information on how to deal with life without the medical uh, industry, without the psychological industry, without, you know, all of this nonsense, you know, holistic stuff. About four weeks into working at the deli, I get a freaking heart attack. Oh, my God. We're doing, we're, it's in the morning rush. <clears throat> the owner, Patty, and Kathy were prepping and chatting away. And I was just helping out. Meanwhile, all of a sudden, I feel like an elephant had just stepped on my chest. And he had no intention of getting up. Oh, and I'm God. feeling my body tighten up and I'm slumping on to the counter, and I'm doing my best to hold it together so that they don't realize what's going on. And because we have a line damn near going out the door for people getting their breakfast, that I don't make them look like, you know, we're serving poison.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm holding it together best as I could. Until it was finally over and then I got myself out of it and I went to the back and I just, where we all smoked cigarettes and I was like, what the hell was that? What the hell was that? Couldn't realize what the hell it was. Used to go to the rifle range with my old man. And so he was training me on how to do uh, all the firearm stuff and stuff like that. He was a big safety freak and, but well, he was a gun nut, right? And, uh, so I got into it. You know, I was like, well, this is great. This is great. And I love the smell of gunpowder in the morning and stuff like that. So I'm going through all the training and I'm doing all the watching all the videos and everything like that. And I, pick, and I go up to the range and I'm starting to go into the different positions that they do. They test it because they wanted to go up to a place in Ohio called Camp Perry where there was um, um, like a heavy competition, right? And all everybody from all over the place would go and try to make, you know, the leaderboard or whatever. So as I'm up there and I'm, I'm trying to do what I need to do, I have, I'm trying to hold the shot, but I can't hold the shot. Every time it's between breaths, my body is still moving. And I'm I i could not understand what the hell is going on. I not like I'm just doing figure eights, I'm doing figure eights because my heart is so now it's so big that it's not stopping my body from moving. So I can't get a B at all in the in the standing position. I could do fine on the bench, but in the standing position there was that was a problem. I have a had a girlfriend in Oklahoma. And uh she come up and uh I could meet her at the I, I was dropping her off at the at the airport. And as I'm dropping her off at the airport, we're sitting down, we're waiting for her flight to get ready to, to board and everything like that, and she takes a look at my chest and she's like, What the hell is going on with you? And I looked down and my chest is pounding out of you know, my heart is pounding out of my chest, and I'm like, Oh, it oh does my that God. all the time. It does that all the time. Because by this time, it had been, you know, had been a while. <clears throat> Never had it checked out. Always fearful. I, I I, always had a fear of the medical industry. Because if you go there, you're yeah. always going to find something wrong with you. you
1: right. <laughs> right. That's so com- That's a common thing, people say.
2: So I was like, all right, fine. I, I let it go. And uh, I could not do the show anymore because I just could, I couldn't breathe. I just couldn't do the show anymore, I couldn't, I couldn't carry a sentence.
3: Mm.
2: That's how bad it was. And to this day, I, I, well, not to this day, well, okay, but to this day, not long after I stopped the show, I hear about this stupid thing that the intelligence agency had. But they aim it at an individual, yes, and they can cause a heart attack. Yep, and just before that, I had watched a bunch of people, three hundred people. the the, youth, the video on YouTube is gone now. Of course, but they had three hundred, over three hundred people, testifying one right after the other, as targeted individuals. Yeah, now I never understood. I had heard, but I had never understood the, the whole scenario, right? So here I'm listening to story after story after story after story, perfectly healthy. And now he's got problems with the zoo. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. So I'm like, you don't think that, why would they do that to me though? Until someone had mentioned that, well, maybe because you were putting out all that holistic information stuff. Mm-hmm. Because what I was doing was, and since I had become an alcoholic when I was a kid, I got clean when I was 24. And I started getting clean from 24 on. And so when I started my podcast, it was basically all the questions that I had about God and everything like that, I could not find answers in the rooms because nobody wanted to touch that. They you have your own God, your own higher power. That's everything, of everything. It's a spiritual program. There are no, you know, we're not affiliated with any other things or like that. No religions so or whatever. But we, you know, we're okay with God. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Now I gotta go and. I got to find out what the hell the story is because I have a whole bunch of history going on with crazy things. When I was a kid, I used to hear voices in my ear, and I used to hear people calling my name, or they would say "Hey," and I I never understood what the hell that was all about until one day I was still in high school, I don't know what it is, coming back from from high school, walking home because I had sold my bus pass or some stupid shit like that for jobs. And uh, the voices started coming up they're saying, hey. And I'm like, that's it. I had enough, you know, I had enough. That's it, no more, I'm done. I, I don't care what this is. There was no one to talk to at the time. And so it stopped. 30 years later, now I'm depressed. I'm going through a divorce with my, my ex. I'm going to fix my, I'm going to fix my computer. And so I'm underneath the desk. And I'm opening up the computer. I'm trying to mess with the computer and, and, and seeing what the heck is going on with it and everything like that. And all of a sudden I hear in. My ear. Mm. Okay. So close, you could practically feel the breath. Yes. Now, I've had some form of tinnitus since I, I can't remember when it started. Like, I think, believe it started like before 2010. But I get a seven kilohertz frequency that's in behind my ear <clears throat> and it's always there there's different levels of amplitude but it's always there yeah so I know the difference and since I had been doing the podcast I've been heavy on discerning you know what's been going on in, in my head and what goes on outside of my head because at the time I had already had the knock occur so I'm 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 fairly familiar with you know synapse firing, yes. right? Yes. And so how you can mistake that. So like the explosions that happen in your head, or or the sudden bangs that that wake you up, like when you're just ready to fall asleep. Usually it's just around the time when you're just ready to fall asleep, right? You get those bangs, and so I'm kind of you know. I kind of discern that, all right, I have to be very, very aware of what's going on around me to differentiate between what's going on inside my head and what's going on on top of my head, outside of my head. So I'm sitting there and I'm got myself underneath the damn desk and it's in my ear and it goes, Hey man. And I'm like, What do you want? Like, I understand I can feel into you because by that time I had already had a, a best friend who was heavily into energetics. And so she had me practicing on how to feel into stuff, And you know, they, they did that energy practice where, you know, you feel the energy between the palms of your hands and stuff like that. Yeah. But, so. Um... And so you you do all kinds of stuff with your aura and everything. So I felt all of that. So this felt like a woman who had been abused Mm -hmm. in that house. Um, She didn't continue to contact me, but I found out later on that the owner prior to the people that bought the house had lost the wife oh. at that house. Oh, wow. Now, Pennsylvania, this is Pennsylvania is really weird because they they, it's real feminist. So, and with reason in this area, a heavy agricultural area. What happened was a lot of males used to take out their frustrations on the women. And a lot of women lost their lives here. So because of that, there was a lot of you know, stuff that went down, and the men weren't prosecuted. It was just considered a part of life over here. You know, so hearing that that had happened here kind of made sense and that this person had reached out to me and held the basement seemed comfortable to me. Mm-hmm. Especially you know when now I'm separated from the from the wife and everything like that. This this was o this was okay. This was a comfortable spot because I had my office in there and everything like that. And that's where I did all the podcasts and stuff and the research and and everything like that. So that was that. So then I. I got talking to Jerry, who was uh, my friend who was teaching me the Qigong and all of that energy stuff and, and whatever. And she gets me into going deep and getting into meditation and, and with like real meditation. I had, like I said, when I went into the ARE, I was doing, I was meditating my ass off for like two years straight every day religiously. Because I had figured out that that was, you know, that was what you did. Because if you wanted to do anything at, Casey, at your Casey level, that's what you did. You read the Bible, front <laughs> to <the> back,
3: right?
2: <laughs> front to back. You know, the Old the Old Testament is like brutal as hell. The like Second, uh, the New Testament, not so bad. But you meditated a lot. You know, and the only way to get to the Akashic Records was to develop yourself. Into a point where it was like, you know, more will be revealed. The more you seek, more will be revealed. So I did that, and I felt into it to the point where different things were happening. Where I was starting to see violet shimmers mm. while I was while I was uh, meditating. I never understood what that was. And somebody explained that that was the flame of St. Germain.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was like, what is that? I don't even understand what that means. But it was very common and very soothing. There was another time I was in the basement and, and doing meditations. And I had, you know, the, I guess it's Brazil or Where that big, huge tower of Christ with his arms out and stuff like that. Yeah, that's Brazil. Came into my head. But it was underwater. Right? So I was like, this is really weird. Because it was all blue. It was just really, really, really blue. Like a blue like I've never seen before. And I got up and I thought, I just... So this means something, but I don't know what the hell it means, right? I'm like, okay. Not too long after that, I'm going through a bout of depression because of whatever's going on. I'm, I'm an old romantic, right? So I can't believe that my, this family is falling apart and I have nothing I can do to save it, right? Because she's just the way she is. I'm at a deep, deep, dark what they call one of those spiritual holes or whatever. Yeah. The blue shows itself while I'm sitting at my desk. Damn near tears in my eyes because of what's going on. And I'm Having been in the program and everything like that, I know about the pity pot and everything, and the you know feeling sorry for yourself syndrome and stuff like that. So I know to keep it, you know, okay, this is just something that it will pass or whatever. But this blue showed itself while I had my eyes closed, and then all of a sudden, this wave of love because I have no other way of describing it. If you, this wave of love, just like a curtain falling in slow motion, came down all over me and drained me and pulled everything out of me to where there was nothing left but a feeling of okay,
3: mm.
2: and I was like, I don't know, like i need phone and I'm going to text my friend. I'm like, Jerry, what the hell is this? Because <laughs> I had never experienced anything like that in my entire life. <laughs> I'm like, that was the weirdest. <laughs> <laughs> that was insane. <laughs> That was insane, and you know how you have you know how you have experiences and some of these experiences that you have. It's just like you know they're weird as hell, oh, yeah. but you kind of forget them you know right. until yes. they're triggered by a memory or a conversation or something like that. This is one of those things that it's just like every time I'm starting to get into that dark place, that memory just comes up.
1: With the Saint Germain flame.
2: With the wave of the blue. The yeah. wave of the blue.
1: Don't you think that's connected to that the blue flame of Saint Germain? The per the violet flame? Yeah, in some way. I don't know.
2: I think it's very connected between the flame, the Christ statue. 'Cause I was heavily into uh, Christ consciousness and everything like that from the case yeah. meetings, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> and, and that blue wave. Yeah. That washed over me. All of those seem to be tied into to me.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. And very beautiful actually when when you need it, there's this this experience how did that inform the rest of the experience because clearly you were in deep trauma at this time and this blue wave cleansed you of all that so processing the rest of it moving through that experience were you able to get through the further Hardships that were surely to come through that process. Yeah.
3: Of...
2: Yeah. In uh, so much as it reassured me that I was given the tools and everything that I needed to cope. Yeah. With what was about to happen. Yeah. You know. How long um, ago was that then? 20, about 2010. Interesting. Yeah, about 2010, because it was like, right, it was like right before, right before I got served. So,
1: yeah. That's before you got served, which was after the hospital.
2: No, the hospital came
1: later. That's more. That's like just happened.
2: Yeah. Well, it's been. Ha- it was happening since uh, 2012. Um, two years later, 2014, um, I went to go get checked out, and they gave, they put a. They were like, ah, "We don't even know how you're still functioning. It's like you're 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 in bad shape." So they put a,
1: they gave me a pacemaker. Everyone wants to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So they gave me a pacemaker. Jeez, it's a left, right in here. Yeah.
2: So they gave me a pacemaker and they sent me on my way, right? And um, so I dealt with that for a while and that lasted for about two and a half, four, years, three years, about three years. Then it started getting really bad. Um, did I got the surgery in 2018? Yeah. and so, Yeah. So about two years after that. So, yeah, so I had gone through hell not long after, but two and a half years after they gave me the pacemaker. So, so I, don't know, I just, go ahead.
1: So, all right. With all of this going on through the duration of your life. And with your open mind and query towards the uh, towards natural health and your openness towards the mystical world, what has, in general, your dream life been like over the course of your life?
2: I would say periods of WTF and normal. Just the normal weirdness that you could pretty much put to, you know, what you ate and what was going on around you and stuff like that. Going and looking back on it. Thanks to the you know, because of the KC readings I, I found this author named Elsie Sechrist. And she yes. did a she did a book called um Dreams, your magic mirror. And so it pretty much laid down, um, a lot of the stuff that if you're Casey, it was saying how you can pretty much get a basic idea of how to read the symbols within your dreams. So say, you know, to, to keep it simple, like you have a story of the house. Well, the house is basically your body, right? If you're in a car, yeah, you know, it's basically the direction you're going. Yeah. Simple things like that. And then it would go into other things, like if you see certain particular animals or bugs or whatever and stuff like that, you could pretty much have a definition that you feel into and see if that relates to you. Mm. So I had a good idea and a good discernment, I felt. For myself that i i couldn't tell you know if i if i had a dream about this i should pretty much be taking a look at whatever's going on you know in that area Mm -hmm. you know if, if i had a problem with family if i had a problem with friends if i had you know stuff like that sometimes and i i do know that a lot of times i would have these dreams which were would feel absolutely like it was like premonition dreams. But I would test them out and nothing would ever come to it. Now, I don't know if it goes by that observance rule where, you know, when you observe something, and becomes comes into your awareness and becomes a part of your reality so that that can alter. I don't know if that had anything to do with uh, those premonition dreams. But I do know that that occurs. I do know that that occurs, and well, it just takes a while for one to become familiar with their own with their own symbols and stuff like that.
1: Let's talk premonition dreams for a minute.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you know when when you're having a dream that does be a premonition dream is it a different flavor for you is it what sets it apart where you know that this has that extra to it
2: usually when it happens it becomes come conjoined I'm gonna say with previous deja vu I don't get a lot of deja vu, So when it does occur, it kinda of freaks me out because I feel like something I feel like something's catching up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know that's gonna happen, I look at the phone and the phone rings and stuff like that and you know, it's like that kind of stuff. And so usually when if I do get a premonition train, it's usually to that effect, Mm -hmm. where, well, I know this is, if I was expecting something, this is the direction that it's going to go. More, more, more because of the deja vu that happened before that. But if I don't get the deja vu, I can pretty much tell you that. I'm not even going to tell you what the dream was because it's not worth it. It's not going to happen.
1: What about your relationship with the dream world itself? So with the architecture of the dream world and things going on, how how do you dream? What's it look like, feel like, and smell like?
2: It has different textures depending on It has different textures depending on the level of the dream. Some dreams are very epic in proportion. Yeah. Like there's so much detail going on that it's like next level. And some dreams are like very tunneled. You know, it's just like, this is what's going on and this is where we're going and blah, 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 blah. And nothing in the periphery. Um, there was one time, just before, just before the heart went uh, south, and I had to go to the hospital. I had a dream, and that my grandmother, my pa- family almost rarely never showed up my dreams. My grandmother showed up. She, my late grandmother, and um, we're in a building. The building is. Like one of these Beirut, you know, type buildings where it's like completely blown out. The walls is really like nothing. It looks like something out of a, a war zone, right? So we're there. She's trying to tell me something, but I can't make out what she's telling me. And all of a sudden, this really, really dark wispy thing starts floating around, like a shadow figure, right? But it's not moving like a shadow figure. It's moving like it's it wants to be seen it wants to be known so it's now it's circling in and out of the pylons that hold up there the floors and now it's circling and it's getting closer between me and my grandmother and i'm like just stay right there don't move i I got this So. It comes really close. And I'm like, "There's first of all, you don't belong here. You're not a part of my mind. And this is my domain. And during that dream, I heard her call out. I turned around. She was gone. I looked back. And the shadow was gone as well. And to me, they basically said that I got serious serious issue that's about to go down.
3: And about
2: three months later I wound up at the hospital. Mm. That's incredible. Because I couldn't, now I'm losing control of my, my, I'm losing control of my functions, my bodily functions.
1: By the time you ended up at the hospital? Yeah. Did you at any time during your heart issues tap out?
2: No. You mean near death? Yeah. No. No. Dude, you missed out. Well, I, you know, it wasn't for lack of trying.
3: Because
2: <laughs> I'll tell you, there were times where, well, let's put it this way. I, I smoked crack as a kid, right? Now, I took it to the point where well, I want a fatal heart attack. Because if this was... I can't. This is the only thing that I have ever done. I've done pot. I've done all kinds of drugs, psychedelics and everything like that, and downers and uppers and all kinds of freaking sideways shit and alcohol and whatever. This was the only thing I could not stop, and I could not shift. Like, say, if I was going on a pot binge or whatever, I'd just drink I just don't do anything else. Or if I was drinking too much, I'll just stop. I'll just smoke pot. No. This shit, I could not stop, and I didn't know what to do, at all whatsoever. And so I was like, "Well, this is how I'm going to die." And so I decided that I was going to take. They say that you you chase your high, right? Yeah. From that first high, you always wind up chasing that, chasing the dragon, chasing. So I wound up taking that and going way further to the point where I didn't want to wake up. So was I was suicidal basically, right? Cause that's, that's pretty. Right. Oh yeah, definitely cool.
3: qualified. So
2: those times where I, I would wake up drooling my face against the floor or whatever and realizing that I'm still here, I did not complete the task. I had that same feeling with the heart failure Hmm. from not being able to breathe, being completely face down on the floor, not being able to breathe, not knowing if this breath is going to be my last breath. And I was already at the point where I was like, I'm I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. It's it's okay. I've done what I wanted to do here. I'm okay. You know, so I was at, having not, having not experienced an NDE, I'm I'm not afraid of death. Because I already faced it. You know, there was a time, and the only, the only way anybody could probably Relate to this as if they watched the Iron Man movies where Tony got his, um, he, he, he had his, his, his heart taken out and it disconnected the power. Yeah. And you watch him slump in the chair and sink. Like, that's it. Yeah. Everything is about to wink out. Well, they went to test the leads. On my, on my pacemaker. And they disconnected them. And that exact same thing you know, oh, happened. Oh jeez. And I dropped and I sunk into my chair. And everything started going white and closing in. And she was <laughs> the person who was doing it, who was administering the. The calibrations, everything like that was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> All
1: sudden, I I was like, He's tapping out. We better get this finished. Yeah. But so you had that distinct sensation. So everything was closing in. Oh, yeah. Well, I was gone. I was, I was pretty, the only thing that came anywhere close to this
2: was when I OD'd on alcohol. I OD'd an alcohol. And at a time during the blackout, I just wound up somewhere else. I, my consciousness was completely somewhere else and there was nothing around me. I felt like I was sitting in a lazy Susan and I was completely okay. And this is all right. I, I can, this is okay. Everything is okay. Everything is quiet. Everything is peaceful. I could probably do some serious work here. I could figure out some music. These are the thoughts that are going on, like in a matter of seconds. I could probably do some serious, serious stuff here because I, I can find, I can think. I have clarity. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And just as I'm starting to think that, I'm hearing. Ah. And I'm like, what the fuck is this now? <laughs> and it's getting louder, and it's getting louder, and it's, ah. and all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm like going from complete comfort to getting sucked down into this tube, and all of a sudden, spam slap, my eyes open up, and the rest of them. The rest of the yell is finishing a sentence and saying, "I got a pee." And that and I'm was you. Strapped that down was your own voice. A, it, yep. And <laughs> I was strapped down in a gurney with tubes out of my arms. I'd already peed myself several times, you know, 'cause they had, they had strapped me down. They were like, you know, telling my parents, "Listen, we don't know if this guy's ever gonna come out of it, but you might want to make." Preparations now and make arrangements. That's interesting. How old were you? 19.
1: Wow, you were getting into heavy, heavy stuff as a young'un.
2: Yeah, well, I started when I was nine. You, you beat me. <laughs> I don't know.
3: Well, they were going out
2: to the thing, so we were sneaking beers and stuff like that, and cigarettes and whatever. And you know, you know, we were the younger part of the teenage crowd that was growing up with the rest of society and and hanging yeah. out with the everybody because it was a party every time we went up to Green Acres and everything like that. You know,
1: yeah. so that's, that's just how it was. <laughs> yeah, you chose the fast course as a child. So, all right, with all this, have your abilities improved in the realm of psychic awareness? Now, this skips a generation in your family, correct? Didn't it come to you? Yes. Yes. So how did all this get you further down the road of these gifts that you had to come into?
3: I
2: think it was more, it was more about curiosity and constantly wanting to know and understand my part. How and what I was supposed to do when I was here, while I'm here, because I never felt like I belonged here. It just did not feel, I, I, I internally, my core self feels like cooperation, harmony, and cohesion and communication and understanding, that's where I came from. And this earth was not that. Yeah. So I did not feel like that was where I belong. And then I read Robert Heinlein's Stranger in a Strange Land, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. dude I grok Mm -hmm. I totally grok I'm just a freaking egg you know (laughs) I I don't know anything the more that I know the less that I know and I was a bookworm and you couldn't stop me from reading so the more that I the more that I went on and kept finding things I didn't really like David Wilcock but I did like the books that he would recommend. So I would read those. And I would find that there were some books that really were not in the canon of spirituality. Yeah. You know, in the New Age or whatever movement or whatever. Like this book from Sherman. Harold Sherman, who was like completely—you can hardly find him anywhere—but he was part of this some deep stuff back in the day, and he documented all his experiences in uh, intuition and bilocating and dreams and and you know. Mind over matter stuff, and, and all kinds of stuff. And then he would go in there, and he would document all kinds of stuff. And then he put it down. And you know, at every chapter, there was parts that you were able to like put to practice. Now, I was okay with that because Edgar Casey used to say, "Listen, the Bible was written for you and you personally. It's not meant for you know bringing people together for whatever. It was like you're the church." you're the living church okay what you get out of it apply it if it works well that's great if it doesn't work that's great too you know but take out of it what works for you and leave the rest and when i went to the the anonymous meetings that's what they basically told us when we went to the meeting it was like listen Everybody's got a different story, and everybody's completely different, but we all have these core things that we are all alike. We all have the same emotions. We all experience emotions. But they're not facts, right? Like feelings are not facts. But we all experience them. So if I tell you that I went and the lights were off, and I banged my knee against the damn coffee table. You kind of know what my reaction was because you're having the same reaction right now because you know the feeling of a bang chin or a bang knee against a coffee table. Well, most people do. But that's a core thing, right? So when it came to you know learning about how to work on developing what I had very little understanding about, you know? Um At one point, I was not sure that there was anything until my ex fiance brings home a Ouija board. Starts messing around with it with her best friend. Calls into the room so that I can come out and help them because they don't know what to do because the board is yelling at them. Now I don't know. But I was like knee deep. There used to be a bookstore in New York called The Magical Child, and we got every, that's where I got most of all my education books from at the time. And that's where she got the the Ouija board from. So, okay. Unbeknownst to me, she had also purchased the Satan's Bible. But did not disclose that information to me. Now, we had been having my keys disappear. Different stupid objects would disappear. And they would wind up in the craziest freaking places behind the couch, behind the refrigerator, all kinds of crazy stuff. And now she's telling me that the Ouija board is yelling at her. So I wasn't really like, I remember the exorcist, but I don't remember that part of the exorcist, you know, Captain Cody or whatever it is. (laughs) You know? Oh, yeah, the Captain Cody part. (laughs) So... They're like all you got to do is just rest your hands on it don't don't move it or anything the planchette don't move it or anything just let it do what it does so i'm like all right so i sit there and within five minutes it's it's cursing at me and i'm like i'm i'm looking at her hands and and she's not moving it it's moving on its own okay I'm, like, right, I'm not moving it but it's moving all right, all right. So now it got to the point where I'm like, well, well, you don't even freaking belong here either. So I don't know what you're doing here, but you might as well take off. It got pissed off. It says F you. And then the planchette does something very strange. It literally shot out from underneath our fingers, off the board. It smacks an ashtray full of dead cigarettes and a flame about 10 inches tall shoots out of the ashtray
3: all right what the hell is this
2: that's when i find out an hour later because the friends had left, that she bought the bible the satan's bible and that she had it on top of the curio cabinet. And so now all I know is to get this damn board out of the house. So I don't know about closing off the session or anything like that. I have don't have the experience that I that I do now after having interviewed somebody who was like one of the – she had been on uh, Jimmy's show, Karen Dolan. To know all of the experience that you know that there was to have with this with this with this board
0: I'm like okay
2: and uh so we take it over to the magical child and figure that we'll, we'll bring it back to here so we can't return it so we'll bring it back to here and then we'll destroy it so i wound up getting some lighter fluid or whatever and i put set the damn thing on fire and i just burnt it off and then i was able to get some i didn't know about smudging but i did know about uh These charcoal discs that you light up. Yeah. And you're supposed to, you know, pretty much smoke out the house. You leave one window open so that this way, whatever is in there gets to escape, right? We usually put
1: incense on them. Was that it? Yeah, resin incense, usually.
2: I know. We did something to that effect. One of the uh, American Indian people that that I interviewed told me, About a thing where you use the local sprigs of, uh, hemlock or whatever. And, uh, or cedar, sorry.
1: Yes. And you
2: use that and you use that (laughs) and you put that on top of the charcoal and then you you use that for smudging or whatever you want to clear the house and do that. So anyway, back to the, the, back to the seance board. I smoke it out. I get it completely cleared out and everything like that. The house is fine. All of a sudden, these are always where they belong. You know, everything is the way where it belongs. So the Satan's Bible. She got rid of it. It was no longer in the house because now, I'm, now I'm feeling for it. You know, because I can tell. Now she was completely wackadoodle. My my ex fiance, but that was beyond beyond. So getting into understanding spiritual experiences and, and understanding how psychic affairs were available i didn't have an understanding of what intuition was i had not uh, run into echo boldine or anything like that you know so where i can understand um at the time how to actually work on allowing what I'm feeling to be read by my person. Sherry was already starting to train me and all of that, so I can feel into it, so I can start letting my aura go out, pulling my aura tight, how to close it off, how to move the energy around, getting familiar with the sympathetic nervous system, and so the chakras and all of that stuff and getting an understanding of all of that and incorporating in that and then learning about the Merkaba and learning about the the breath, the sacred breath and understanding how to do the dragon technique and everything like that. As those went about, I pretty much just used it as I'm 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 just going to ask and what comes to me I'm going to feel into. And as I feel into it, it's either going to resonate or it's not going to resonate. If it's not going to resonate, then I know that the source that I'm asking is not giving me the information that is true. Because I'm a big proponent for protection, right? So in order for me to discern what spirit is telling me, that's, what I, that's my litmus test. It has to go with my heart. Now, I will say this. I was watching Gigi Young do a video, and she was saying how people who are getting these things clamped onto their hearts, it messes with their spirituality and it disconnects them from the spirit world. And that scared the hell out of me. There's a lot of truth to it from the experience that I've had over the last two years till now. It is so much harder for me today to work on my spirituality than it was prior. The surgery that's It was ins- just that's was, very
1: intriguing.
2: It was just a given that this is the way it is before the surgery after the surgery, it had became harder and harder and harder to maintain the practice to maintain the discipline to know that I get up in the morning. I do what I gotta do, I have my little rituals, I do my little readings, you know, and then I go about my day. Now, I literally have to remind myself or I'm instantly just picking up the phone, walking over and getting my coffee ready. Whereas before I would read into, I would read into whatever I needed to read into. for the day. Start the energy, right? Have
0: a little bit of water and just chill out first. I've I've had the same exact same thing. I feel completely disconnected since I was in the hospital. It sucks.
1: This is interesting. It
2: sucks. It's, it's, it's literally an effort compared to what it used to be. Yep. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: what about, so I guess looking at some of the core here, and feeling disconnected what have your dreams been like in general if you could sum up 2020 to now 2020 to now
2: very very bizarre everything from like science fiction apocalyptic stuff to Just holy hell, what the hell was that? I've had times where my daughter is calling my name, and I'm waking up. And she's not calling me. She's not even awake. But very, very weird. I've had dreams where I've had dreams where I've... You know how there are some certain areas that repeat? Like, you know this area, you're very familiar with the area, you've been here before in yeah. Dream State. Like, yeah. there's an area that's like, you know, all, all the houses are pretty much the same. We call them ranch houses and, and track homes because they're all the same. They're basically all the same. Well, I, I lived in one, but it was empty. Like, it was one of those, you know, you pull into the driveway. Well, that was, instead of the driveway into that the garage, that was actually a part of the house, right, when you drove in, that was like, that was the huge bay window, the single pane bay window. Yeah. You know, and inside was basically barren, there was like nothing in there. But I know I had to go somewhere, so I had to go somewhere, so I had to go, and I had to go get my car. So I'm going to get my car, and I'm on my way to go get a car, get the car. I run into a friend of mine and so now he's going to come with me and we are going to go get the car. Meanwhile, there's a festival, a dance festival that's going on. And I wind up in it, but only kind of skirting around it because I, I, I got to get to my car. So I get to outside of it, my friend gets lost in the crowd. And I'm like, well, okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to go continue on to go get my car. I wind up going to a building just outside of the festival because that's where my car is supposed to be. I get in there and it's very weird, very dark. There's a bathroom that I can't even begin to describe the Freddy Krueger-like scenery that this building was that the that the ba- that this bathroom was like. Very dark, very tiles were like really dank. Really dank. And so but I gotta go to the bathroom. I realized I do gotta go to the bathroom. So I got let me let me find one damn stall that works whatever and do what i gotta do do my business so i go in there to do my business and there's a drawing there's a drawing and it's talking to me and it's saying some really obnoxious stuff like really really bad and. I don't know what to do. So I get out of there and I start walking towards what seems to be an administrative office. So I go through this narrow corridor and this drawing is basically following me along the corridor. And now it's like at a radiator. The people on the other side are arguing. There's a regular office door with a glazed window. With some name on it, and I can't make out the name. And these two women are arguing. And they open up the door, and they're like, "What do you want?" I was like, "I just came to get my, I just came to get my car." I was like, "But do you see what's going on back here? This place is a disaster." They're like, "What? What are you talking about?" They go and they look past me, and there's dead kids. Behind me. And now I'm being arrested and thrown in jail for the murder of the dead kids. And I'm like, well, what the hell is, what the hell is going on? I get into the cell and these other guys are there. And they're like, what are you here for? I'm like, I have no idea. The weirdest freaking thing, and I cannot even begin to explain what's going on. They look at each other, and all of a sudden, if you look on the wall, there's that damn drawing. And they're talking to the drawing. Oh, my God. And that's when the dream ends.
1: Wow, that's in, intense. <laughs> that was all.
2: That was a holy hell for me. I was like, "This is, what the hell is this?" When about was that? Do you recall? It was only maybe six months ago. Yeah,
1: six Man. nine months ago. That's incredible. In this time period as well with uh in this general lockdown time period, have you had any dreams that may suggest like demons or monsters of any sort, cannibals, any of that kind of stuff
2: no not no no monsters um no demons just weird just weird people stuff yeah like people like people being weird like characterizations that would normally not even be in my wheelhouse for lack of a better term things like and thoughts there was this time you were telling me or you! I heard you guys, you were discussing how something was really weird with time and the people yes. were not recognizing each other until there was a recognition but that recognition was like completely unrelated to what was going on it was like one minute they're all okay. they'd have no clue who you are and the next minute they're like oh It's like they caught up. Yes. Right? Yes. I had a moment I was telling my daughter, and I don't know if I was able to respond to to you guys. I think it was in the chat in uh, Discord going over it. And it was the same way. My daughter works at or did work. At a food court, it's kind of a food court, but it's like a little, you know, food a little food shop just outside the gated community. I could not remember. When I drove to her. It was the only one who was driving her to this food court. I could not remember the name of the food court. Oh, wait. Always. <laughs> <laughs> what
1: do you think's going on with that?
2: I think they're not done with whatever is going on. I know personally. I feel it. I understand that there are other things going on that actually do have. a bead on every individual on the planet. It's a broad scope. It's a beam that pretty much circles the planet. But it kind of like, remember, I don't know if you know, like, Crow 777, if you ever watched the moon wave? Oh, yeah. OK. The lunar wave. Have, lunar wave. Yes. Well, they have that here. They have that here, and basically, it picks up whatever you're thinking, doing, or being at the time that it sweeps. It records it, and it puts it back. So they know what's going on. Now, do does the black ops have that technology? I don't know, but I do know that they're working on it hence all of the stuff that you've been sharing with the nanotechnology and all of that other stuff and all of this experimental RNA freaking software that they're trying to install. Mm -hmm. Because they don't have that technology and they have to have it and they're trying to set it up with Starlink and all of that fun stuff. The space fence or whatever you want to call it. That being able to, now, I don't know if you, Jared, do you remember the X Men? Well, yeah. What, what about them, though? Okay. So, Dr. Xavier, mm-hmm. he puts on this helmet. Yep. Cerebro. Which allows him to catch the signal. Cerebro. Of the right. right. Yeah. So, at any given point in time, he knows where everybody is. That's what they're working on. They're working to make that a freaking reality.
0: Which probably already exists in another Which
2: already exists, but it's not in ours Right. Currently. Right. It's not in it's a, it's not what they call in the private sector, it's not in the public sector.
0: Yeah, it's it's outside of our reality. Which is not
2: far from It doesn't have to be that
1: far outside of our reality with all the tech we're looking at right now. Yeah, I know.
0: I'm just thinking that um, there's monitoring of us going on from a higher plane of existence, or a different one at least, not higher. but
2: Well, like the Akashic Records, where everything is written on the skin of time?
0: Yeah, I'm familiar with the Akashic Records, and in fact, who did I hear say this? I think it was, Um, you familiar with Al Bielek? Yes. Al well, not incredibly, but yes. But you know who I'm talking about. So Al <laughs> Bielek has said on several occasions that the Akashic Records are stored in the Van Allen belts.
1: The radiation belt. Yeah. Well,
2: for us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There is. There's
0: more. Sure, yeah, there's a universal one, too. I mean, just two stars, though. But ours
2: is there. Well, Casey had mentioned that the lost souls are in what's called the sea, Mm -hmm. of souls. And as you're on your way to get to the Akashic Records, you have to pass through them Mm. in order to get to the Akashic Records. Okay. so then is like one thing you know could justify the other or confirm the reality of another
0: yeah that also points towards um what we see in the sky as stars are actually local if so one school of thought is that stars are spirits or souls they could be lost right and if they're if you have to, pa- if what Casey was saying is true, and you have to pass through the lost souls and to get to the Akashic and the Akashic is in the Allen belts, then stars are local. They're not billions of trillions of miles away. You know they're here above the Earth.
2: The flat Earth. <laughs> I don't know about the flat
0: I Earth. Mean. <laughs> no, I was teasing. I'm teasing. It's not I, flat. I don't.
2: I don't know about the flat. It's a. I, I, it's a
0: holodeck, dude.
2: It's, it's, (laughs) it is. It's totally holographic. Mm. Totally holographic. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm on board with that one and the multi dimensions and stuff like that. And I was listening to uh, Linda Moulton Howell and she was describing some of her encounters and the discussions that she had with some of her interviewers and how they were saying that, you know, what's outside of all of this? the multiple universes and the multiple timelines and all of that stuff like that. And if you really want to get completely out of it, you don't want to know. You seriously don't want to know what's outside all of this. You know what I've come to believe? We're freaking Whoville. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I can pull up to that. <laughs> it's certainly in a at a you certain know what I mean? level. Yeah. yeah. At a certain level I can totally pull up to that. There's you know, Dan, there's a lot of stuff going on just recently, just here in the last couple months, that is and I just had a strange experience last night that I uh recorded and posted and that kind of is my interpretation of this as well there are beings sentient beings that are suggesting that they're so outside of what we can conceptualize that the idea of conceptualizing them alone is i mean this is what they call the 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 heart attack factor or the uh, I think in the Bible, like talking about the terribles where they're so terrible that men die from heart attacks upon encountering them. And uh, but like last night, I just had an experience and it was unique in my life and it was very creepy. And I recorded it. And just in short, though, it was it was uh It was terrible. I don't know how to describe it. It was like a, so here's how I I've described it. It was like, you know, when you're in a room, say you're in a room of people and somebody flatulates. So that's a fart for people that don't understand what flatulation is. And, uh, and it goes around the room, but no one knows who does it, but it's different than the air. Right. Right. Except for so you notice it. There's a presence here, but it's invisible. The it's same with any kind of gas. And uh so I I went into my dressing room and this is a I had a very strange dream cycle last night and I'd fallen asleep in my normal clothes. And I went in my dream in my my dream in my dressing room to get into the house frock, right? And not sleep in a beautiful lace dress. And right. I close the door and I'm in the darkness, which I'm fine. I'm like a cat in the darkness and I'm getting heavy tinnitus right now. My right ear. Uh, So right as I'm putting my hand on the switch to turn it on and it's pitch black in there, but it's my dressing room, which is one of my favorite places to be. I just, I love it. And uh, as I turn on, I realize I'm not alone. And I thought, Oh shit. I mean, it was, it was like palpable. Absolutely palpable. And I thought there's no way I have wolves here and stuff. There's like, I just couldn't imagine. And so my rational mind said, it's not, it's not a human, you know, it's not no. right. like that. So I turn the light on and it's this presence in the room That is, is like a stench, but with no smell, you know, it's, it's like, it's nebulous. It's, it's fucking nebulous. It's everywhere and nowhere. And, uh, and so I'm like, I'm trying to process it and I decide I always try to encounter, I always try to engage in stuff. Right. So I'm not one that will run, and uh it, it was this interaction I had with it that was basically this: I couldn't I can't conceptualize it. It wanted me to know it was there, it wanted me to know that they're everywhere, whatever the hell this thing is. Oh, yeah. and uh, and and there's more to it, there's more oh, yeah. to it. And I recorded it and all this. But the thing is, that is alarming because what it was saying to me basically was you can't conceptualize what I look like at all. There's nothing within your power to conceptualize what I look like. And this, this makes sense to me as an artist because that's the role of artists is to present what others can't see, whether it's fiction, whether it's painting, you know, it's, it's part of the role. And so but here's the thing. It was not friendly. Mm-hmm. It was friendly towards me in the sense that it was letting, it had like, it was letting me know it existed. It was letting me know that it was terrible too. And it was communicating to me um, some different information. And I, I, was very uneasy, like I, then I wouldn't get dry. I wouldn't, I, I took off my sweater and this, you know, I took off everything with the, the dress and I put on, you know, the, the house frock sweater and shawl and i i wouldn't get naked i felt completely exposed Now i've had that throughout my whole life and i realized that we kind of are anyway that there's it doesn't matter and i'm always usually fine with that but this thing felt so incredibly intrusive yes yes and and not in a good way and it was uh I guess that's what I want to say. And so I've been hearing stories like this just recently. Like, I can't remember, like, I think before Trump, the Trump stuff, when Trump was still the president, he had mentioned, there's like some talk on disclosure. And then that kind of talk came out where like, they can't really let us know the public's not ready to know what space really is the public's not ready to know what this particular uh al- sentient alien stuff is and they lump space in that it's not what we think it is and it's not even what we can conceptualize and they it, it sounded ominous they didn't create it and they didn't present it in a friendly way when we put it that way and so That has had me thinking, and then I had that experience last night, and then some more after that. But what is visible to us is so limited. What we can even conceptualize Mm -hmm. is so limited. And beyond being able to peer into ultraviolet and infrared with technology right we can do that with night vision and stuff where we can see stuff that we're not able to see without those uh that particular tech and that's just part of it this yeah. is just part of it uh that there are things out here in the way out where we are wherever we are whatever is going on that are absolutely so foreign to us that we don't know how to perceive them. And so they can be literally without having any tech existing with us because we can't even conceptualize them, let alone see them. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. I I went into this a a while back. Feeling into your surroundings. You know, when you go about clearing, the practice of clearing. Yes. You, you clear, yeah. Space. Cut, clear, cut, yeah. and clear, yeah, baby. I got All you. Right? Okay. There is a level where you have to accept. Well, I did myself, but that doesn't matter. The sum, it does not matter. So while I was doing the clearing, I made specifically sure. Say said, look, I'm okay. I am okay with what has no effect here. As long as you join forces with me to protect what is here. Because I am quite okay. And I am quite aware of things that just pass through, like walk-ins. You cannot stop things from coming through. And things show up that are not from here, but you know they're there. And you're never alone. You're never alone. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. You may not interact with them. You may not even sense that they're there, but they're there.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's, I have to continuously remember. Oh, else well, so you drive yourself crazy to just deal with what is here it boggles my mind how we can get off on such craziness in topics like time does not exist we have a hard enough time dealing with the now because we're so stuck with everything that affected us before and worried to death about what's coming up. And you want to talk to me about time? You want to talk to me about time being not a thing, where everything is happening all at once? If you cannot even conceive of dealing with right now, the average person is worried about the day to day. What's going to happen with my kids? What's going to happen with the government? What's going to happen with my car? What's going? You know what I mean. And they we're also taking that with dealing with the average person is dealing with what happened to them in the past, and basing yeah. all of their current reactions and their emotions and everything, all their third thought processes are based on. What happened in the past? And 90% of the human reality has been raised in a dysfunctional space. So they don't have an understanding of what their free will even is, let alone knowing what it is. So that for me to just say, you know, oh, time doesn't exist. This didn't grow itself automatically. I'm not a baby and now at the same time. I am not experiencing that, right? But there are dimensions where that does exist. And I'll allow for that. And I will accept that. But that is not my current experience. And I have a hard enough time talking to people on a level where and the more we get into this stuff and i know jerry you've experienced this as well the fewer people you can talk about this stuff on a serious level before they look at you and they say well you're just crazy you know what i mean it's like well there are things around us that we don't understand that we don't see it and and yeah it's like you know the cosmonauts or who gone into space and all of a sudden they're talking with their dead relatives? All right?
0: Or, or going to Antarctica? <laughs> well,
2: that's another thing. And uh, here, here's the thing with with those kinds of situations. I cannot experience it unless I remote view. But I don't even have the will or desire to remote view what's going on down there for me. My curiosity was answered back in 1975. I saw it with my own eye. Everybody's waiting for the government to say, oh, they're here. I already knew they are here. The village I went to visit for three months, they all knew it was here. Yeah. This This is not something new, people. Yeah. And you watch the stuff on Ancient Aliens and stuff like that, it's like, hello. Edgar Casey was like, yeah. Well, they built the pyramids at the time where people were experiencing
1: off-worlders. But see, Dan, here's the yeah. thing: in especially in ufology, most of the quote-unquote aliens that people talk about are anthropomorphized. They're humanoid. Yeah, we have we have black goo. And we have, you know, we have a couple nebulous things that are going on, but at the level of which something is, I mean, some of this stuff, like what I experienced last night, felt very Lovecraftian, like cool air or color out of space, where it was something that you actually can't define because you can't conceive of it. And that's the part that is very, uh, that reminds us that that humans, humans need to anthropomorphize things to make them real. And this is why when they're talking about, well, we have life that can live in no oxygen, no light, you know, down at the geysers under the sea. And stuff like this, and microbial right. life, and all this stuff that exists, but people sh- people don't understand that those kinds of single cell organisms or very simplistic organisms, what if they can what if their components what what if they can actually do like a transformer? You know what I'm saying? Join up and create something. I mean, there's just the world of possibilities is out there. And the fact that we mostly, when we conceive of others that are not us, they are still humanoid. Mm. In some way, shape, or form, they might be scary, buggy like mm. you know. They might be bug people. They might be snake people. They might be mantoid people. They might be alligator people. You know all this stuff, but it's so little in the can. There's so little in the canon of thank you because that's exactly where I was going to go with that. Right. The angels. So the angels
2: will describe just as you're talking about.
1: Yes. I've been learning. I've been deep diving that stuff with Gary Wayne. Yeah. And it's amazing. Unbelievable.
2: Fantastical. Yeah. Is the best way to describe it. And and horrifying. Oh yeah,
1: this is no
2: <laughs> You know, it's funny because it was it was one of the things that I remember in the Casey readings it was like it was you could always tell when when one of the archangels showed up because they have no sense of they have no sense of dignity dignity or humanity ability they come on and it's like this is the way it is you know it's very direct
1: they what about no. the Cherubin? It's a wheel of eyes. Yes. <laughs> the, I mean it's yes. a wheel of
0: eyes. What you just talked about, Dan, though what you just said though is what makes me think that that angels, demons, all that are some kind of I don't want to say other AI, dimension. I, I wanna say AI, but not AI. You know, some kind of single minded intelligence or collective. Um <clears throat> Same for a lot of ETs because people who channel ETs, it's always you know we we we, it's never I, it's never individuated, it's always from a collective perspective, which has always made me think that it's some kind of inorganic intelligence or non-human intelligence. That's you know, and and the other thing that makes me think that is that angels um, special you study like the Goa'isha or things like that. They all have agency. They all have purpose. They have a single task that they do. They're not, you know, they're not yeah. multitaskers. They all have, like, one thing they're responsible for, and that's what they do, and they don't vary from that. So, I don't know. It's just interesting.
2: It's, and it's funny how we started to define our saints in the same way. This is the saint of that. This is the saint of that. This is the yes. Same, right? Yeah. Yep. yep, yep. Well, why?
0: I think that's more an offshoot from, like, the Greek gods, Roman gods, because the, there was a god for everything.
2: And I think an attempt is based off of fear of the unknown. Oh, of course. You don't know it, you humanize it, so this way you could not be afraid. Right. Right? So what did they do with the devil? They made him a man with horns and a tail.
0: Yeah, which is it's not in the Bible at all. There's no horns in the Bible. Exactly. So I think exactly. that grew out of like the horn god, the ball imagery.
2: Roamed around like a lion. Mm-hmm. what he was described as. He was here and he was there. You know? he, he got around. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. I remember that movie, The City of Angels. Oh, yeah. Love that movie. Love that movie. That's a a, There is... ahead
0: no go ahead finish your thought
2: there is a level there that they're trying to explain to you what actually happens and it's kind of like the story of the soul and it's i mean it's hard for a person to actually understand like the soul well i like the way this they the Anubis thing and everything like that. It was just like you could weigh your soul on a scale through a feather and stuff like that, right? Because if you think about it, you could make your soul if you allow your imagination. You had good cases. It's huge on the imagination. You let your imagination go. You can, you can start visualizing some really insane things to the point where he was saying, well, yeah, you know, the Minotaur and the Peck Pegasus and all, all that stuff is real. That actually exists somewhere. Everything exists somewhere. Right. You know, so you, that always, like, tripped me out. Man. Here's one thing, and, and, and for some of the people who, like, you know, who go back a life. I was big into Thor and Norse mythology particularly the relationship between Thor and his father. Because here is a godling who had a problem with his father. He's going through a rebellious stage. And his father thinks he knows more because he's all father, right? And here this guy is just trying to do the best he can with what he has in his mental faculties, right, at the time. So he railed at one point. And he called for the winds of the north and the winds of the south and the winds of the east and the winds of the west. And he raged the storm. He called upon it. And I read that episode and I said, what the hell? I went up on the roof A six-story building. Nice, calm September evening. Sun setting. And I had felt it. I had felt it. And I did exactly what he said. Got it out of my system. Nothing happened. By the time I got downstairs into the apartment, it was raining cats and dogs. Never seen the cloud. Everything was fine. I went to look out my bedroom window and I was like, what
3: the hell is going on?
2: How does that happen, there?"
0: I, I'm not sure, but I think it serves to reinforce your belief in whatever it was you were doing.
1: And also, it's
0: empowering. To, I mean,
1: yeah. And plus, it's the connection to the environment. There's something very big there yeah. going on with how we're experiencing this whole realm. And uh, and there's a part of that that makes me think about taking agency. And that is part of the story of the gods. And how that, uh, especially if we want to look at it from, say, yes. different lenses. So, yeah, that's, uh, I personally can see a causality between the two. So for me, that's a direct... Communication of sorts, a direct cause and effect, if you will.
0: It's confirmation. Yeah, just like
1: Jerry said.
0: Leads me into a question that someone asked. uh, What's your opinion of Castaneda, if you have one?
2: I had a... I had a... I had a guest on who their mentor was heavily into time. And there were things that were discussed and they went over about the things that were not considered good and how it's really stolen information but it's more like it's the message to me where it falls in line with you take what works for you you apply it and if it works then take that and what does not work well then leave that it's a like lot- All of this new age stuff, when they started coming out with all this new age stuff, was really this old age stuff brought to the fore. Meditation, stuff like that, and reincarnation, chakras, and breathing exercises. I think the castanata stuff I came into it after learning the 12 steps and the 12 traditions, which pretty much came from an Oxford group thing, which turns out to be not such a great group. But their principles were, if practiced, very self-aware generated. Yeah. To where it was okay for me to get to know myself on all levels, experience myself on all levels, be okay with what is not so great, be okay with what's great. Don't think of myself more than I am, but don't belittle myself either and allow other people to be who exactly that they are
3: and take them from who they are.
2: Which encompasses all of they, all that they are. So what they're telling me at any given time, that's their crap. Good, bad, indifferent. And they need to say what they need to say. And it has absolutely nothing to do with them unless it resonates. If it resonates, then I'll allow that, but I won't. Take it, you know, I'll allow it to just be. Because a lot of times you run into people and they're they're just experiencing their life. You know, and, and when you meet them, it seems like they're cost toxic and freaking, you know. But the bottom line isn't if you allow them that then for some reason, something happens. If I allow them to have that moment where they need to just be themselves, then all of a sudden they don't, they're not, they're not expressing themselves in a manner where it's directed at me anymore. Now it's just, Wow. Because they really expected me to react. Which is a cultural thing that I think the earth has been cultivating. It's propaganda culture. That everybody has to react. Nobody can think. Nobody you're not allowed to think. You're not allowed to give yourself time. To just be a witness to what's going on. Right away, we have to be involved with what's going on. I don't have to be involved. I don't have to be a part of that, which is hard because right now I never really gave much of a care to politics in the past. and I never really cared for the news, I turned off my television after 2011, 20, 2001. Because it was all bad, nonstop, 24 seven. And it seemed like the good stories, the humanitarian stories, the people helping each other were so far apart That feeling good felt like a crime. How dare you feel good? Don't you know what's going on in the world? That's not you. That's them. That is the narrative. And I don't have to be a part of that, which is... Being detached from spirituality as it has been, pulling away from that which has become the Internet, the Twitter, the Telegram, the Gab. It's the new addiction to the news that I tried to get away from. And trying to pull myself out of it is literally an exercise in free will. And becoming aware of that and accepting and owning it owning it is the only way I'm gonna be able to say, Okay, well I you know, I quit a lot of things in my life. You know, I quit, you know, all kinds of stuff that was not good for me. I can just do this. Also, but not just right now, (laughs) (laughs) because it's too damn exciting. (laughs) Every day you turn around, it's like some crazy nonsense is actually occurring. It's like history is being made. But it's not not like
1: every day. It's sometimes it's hourly. It's hourly,
0: right? (laughs) How about that? that? (laughs) The ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal this week. <laughs>
1: right. I mean, that's Named crazy.
0: Evergreen.
1: Yes. Which yep. is a
0: code
2: name used for HRC. Yep. <laughs> which was had a tugboat named Baraka.
1: Yep. <laughs> it's, it's so
0: thick. Right? Yeah, it's thick. It's crazy. It is insane. <clears throat> it's almost like an AI is writing the script. Just pulling you know, from which, history, you know. So, so
2: this this nebulous this nebulous dark stuff that's that's here that is making itself known. Which we've been given that before. The Aramonic Force. Steiner tried to put a sculpture to it, but that sculpture does not resonate with an Aramonic Force. That sculpture resonates with Satan. You know what I mean? And the depiction of. Yeah. I don't think the Aramonic Force is something we can that we can have any recognition of to anything. I think it's beyond our scope. And I think that is very true. In what you said about not being able to conceive such an ascension. Because it's out of our wheelhouse. It's out of our realm of experience. It is nothing that we know. And because we know it, of course, we're going to fear it. Because we fear the unknown. That's a natural instinct. Right. But it doesn't have to rule us.
1: Well, with the thing I experienced, its energy was real lowly. Mm -hmm. And I got the sense that I don't know. And so I have no answers here, but I got the sense that because the energy felt kind of low that, that perhaps I had, you know, perhaps one can just tune up the frequency. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I have no idea, but it was concerning and it was unique. And yet I'd been hearing kind of some of this talk around weird disclosure talk coming from the government. And in particular, when Trump was still at the end of his administration, uh, there was that, that language coming out that we were not ready for the reality of what space is. We're not ready for the reality of what some of these other life forms are. And so it was like, well... I guess at some point, whether it's true or not, whether it's true or not, we need to kind of find ourselves in the idea that that the world is bigger. The idea of the world is bigger than we actually think. And I think when people think that, they think of all this typical ufology stuff and all this typical new age stuff. I think that we don't even have an inkling of an idea of what actually really could be
2: going on. I totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, the mere thought of infinity drives mathematicians insane. And it has, literally. It's driven the mathematicians insane. Because just the concept alone is beyond their scope. So things that are beyond their scope, to me, it's just beyond our reality. So if it's beyond my reality,
1: Well, with the infinity, Dan, you can, at least there's like visuals around the idea of infinity. So the mirrors, right? So you get an idea, like you just mirror on like fractals and Mandelbrot's and all this, even though we can't conceptualize the greatness and the smallness of what infinity really is, we have some imagery around those ideas. And so it's a it's more approachable than saying it's it becomes more of an approachable idea than some of the language coming out from certain parties around uh whatever this disclosurey stuff's going on and right. and then i having that experience last night wouldn't have thought of i i mean i, I there's no reason for me to make that shit up. And there no. was no reason for, I mean, I'd rather not have had that experience. Let me put it that way. It made right. me very uncomfortable in my own home. Right. <laughs> right.
2: And, it, it'll, and it'll stay that way until you've allowed it. You know what I mean? Well,
1: my idea is you're not welcome here. whatever you are you you may not pass but it was in there (laughs) and i started to wonder i started to think about it is you know because this periphery stuff's kind of amping up and they went from like critter size like cat and dog size now they're like human size and i'm wondering is it somehow related You know, I'm always trying to dot connect. It's just my world that I live in. And uh, I guess that's questioning my reality. And so I'm just always trying to dot connect. And then I'm trying to ground ideas down into stuff that is at least reasonably uh, thought about by certain groups of people, different groups of people, stuff that has had some thought put into it and then maybe some math around it and not that that should make any difference not that it should make any difference but it helps me with the idea of stabil- mental stability and uh because i you know i was way out there when i was young and that was the key thing for me moving forward as a young very young person that had some trauma uh, was i need to maintain always some sort of control yeah. yes and that's why i was never able to be an addict of anything yeah. except for um mundane things right mm-hmm. so that's one of the key factors and that still rules my world it's one of the laurels i kind of need to have stability some sense of stability or i go way far out and when i go way far out there is a disconnect from the idea of reality. And I don't know what that is, why I need to do it. Even when I was young and I did LSD and mushrooms, you know, psychedelics. I I still had that right. I still had to have a grounding factor, though. Right. And so I mostly did. But so with that thing last night, there's no... I, I mean, I can't even explain it to you. No. <laughs> I can't exactly even t- tell you, but <laughs> outside of the fact that it was a stench without a stench, you know it was a stench without smell, but on this note, we are about half hour over, and <laughs> I haven't eaten yet, and baby's hungry. <laughs>
0: I'm starving, I'm trying not to eat over here. <laughs> Well, Dan, this has been a fantastic <laughs> conversation, and thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, Dan, this time. was, like I said, a long time coming, and we need to have you, even though this was like an awkward, strange uh, Nox Mente, because it bordered on an obelisk, we need to have you on the obelisk, where we can just get deeper into some hardcore woo.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> sure. Oh, set that up for next month or so. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right, cool. So, thank you.:
0: Thank you. Thanks, Nish. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, be sure to tune in next week. We're going to have uh, Micah Dank who's got a presentation, like a whole PowerPoint he's going to show us about Bible codes, so that should be really interesting.. Oh, cool.
1: No, interesting. I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, me too. So <clears throat> And he told me not to watch any of his old shows. He wants us to come in cold. Oh, Oh,
1: okay, so no deep diving No deep dive. All right, because I I don't actually know who he is, so.
0: No, me neither. I just saw, uh, he's been on a lot of shit lately, that's for sure, so.
1: Oh, okay, well, we'll come in cold and then we'll go from there. Best way. (laughs) It can be. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes you need a little lube. Oh yeah, yeah! No, 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 no! It was all good until the end. (laughs) See, yeah, we didn't even get
0: any Igor talk at all. I know.
1: Sorry, boys. (laughs) All right.
0: right. Well, thanks, Dan. Thanks, Nish. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you, folks. Bye.
2: Bye.